Welcome into Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports. JJ Jerez here, Arif Dean. A Spanish guy, an Iraqi guy, and a Turkish guy walk into a bar. Two of them order water, the other one orders wine, and they do a hockey podcast. <laughs> no, 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 just kidding. Thanks to the magic of technology, though, we did have Arda Okal today on the show. What a great interview he was, Arif. And uh, yeah, I guess let's just intro it a little bit with, you know, what, what were some of your favorite talking points? What was the highlight of that interview for you? Well, seeing how it's Ramadan, we couldn't even order the damn water if we actually did that podcast. I this felt so bad. I didn't realize. Bummer. I didn't realize till the end. Here I am drinking water right in front of you both. Of you guys <laughs> no, faces. that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. <laughs> See you guys uh, both salivating. No, it's 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 all right. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a great interview. Arda is someone that I followed here for a couple of years now since the NHL uh, got the ESPN rights, and I've always heard of his name. Like I just didn't know where he worked. I've heard of him in the hockey world. And he did mention he did some work for MSG Network for the Devils and Rangers. So maybe that's where it is. I've come up, I've come across his profile on Twitter. But he's now part of ESPN. You know, he's he's doing this full time in the NHL world. He does all those shows on ESPN Plus with Greg Wyshynski and, and people like Emily Kaplan, Kevin Weeks. Uh, you see him often on like intermission reports and Sports Center anchor here and there. He does a lot of cool things. And uh, I got to know him virtually through texting and through phone calls uh, several months ago. And, and it was really, really great to have him on. Yeah, I mean, he's such a pro, right? Uh, he, he basically does what I do, but at a much higher level much more respected <laughs> level right the top level even you you might say and you could just you could sense it just how good he is at this job and how comfortable yeah. he is at just simply broadcasting however i did notice one little thing i wonder if the, the listeners will will notice i feel like he spent too much time around greg wasinski he's kind of starting to sound like him he has the same <laughs> vocal intonations to try to notice that throughout the interview uh, that's great. Yeah, you can. Uh, and I loved the jab at Wyshynski right at the beginning of the show when we when we asked him about Greg, because that's obviously, you know, our, our our buddy here at the podcast. And it was it was cool to talk about him. So, yeah, it was a great interview. Great, you know, great to kind of get a look into how he got to where he is, all the different crazy, crazy things he's done for ESPN, which we'll let you guys listen to to, to hear about his roles there before uh, becoming the NHL guy he is now. Um, I had no idea he was from Toronto. Uh, so it's pretty cool that he's also Canadian. I did not know that. Um, what else stuck out? The uh, perception of the avalanche was a really fun conversation to hear what his genuine thoughts are. Because, you know, this is something you mentioned in the episode that you guys will hear. Like national media, whenever you hear about the playoffs, it's like, yeah, so who's coming out of the West? Oh, I'm taking the avalanche until somebody beats them. And it's such a lazy take. Like, I hate that take because you hear it every year about the lightning and like, coincidentally nobody's beating the lightning from the east east at least nobody's beating the lightning in three years um but like you know unlike the lightning the avalanche changed a lot the lightning lost the third line the avalanche lost berkey and Kadri and their starting goalie and had to find a new goalie and didn't replace Kadri or berkey uh ben myers didn't step up gabe landeskog's been injured all year so like I always hate when I listen to a radio or a podcast or a national thing and they're like, well, the avalanche are the beasts until someone says otherwise. And I'm like, can we break down exactly why we think the avalanche are better than the LA Kings or the Vegas Golden Knights at all? So I was like, don't get me wrong. I think they can repeat. And I've said that to you many, many times off air, but I want a little bit more knowledge. So it was really nice to hear him kind of give a very thorough look at what a national perception no bias, no being around the team all the time, just looking at scores, watching highlights, watching games when you can, what the perception of the avalanche is from a national level. Right, and it's it's a polar opposite of some avalanche fans who run around with their hair on fire all season long at 
you know, with the slightest hiccup. So um, it's good to hear what the guys from the uh, national stage think about them. But yeah, we talk uh, ESPN, little PK Subban, we get into the avalanche and national perception. And of course, um, hockey is for everyone culture. So what a great interview it was. Again, extra, extra thank yous to Ardo Cal. And I feel like we just made a new friend in media. Um, so yeah, absolutely enjoy this interview. Um, you know, we got a couple of days between Avalanche games. It's a perfect time to drop it. So before we get to it, of course, we got to talk about our buddies over at Superbook Sports. And I am so excited for this ad read, Arif, because it's the first one we've ever done that has mentioned the sport of hockey. No way. How awesome is that? Love I bet that. exclusively on hockey. Sometimes I sprinkle in a little bit of NBA, a little bit of uh, La Liga, but I'm primarily a hockey action taker. So I love this. So guys, baseball is back. And the push for the postseason is on for both hockey and hoops. Make it all count this spring with Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is the best wagering app around with a direct line to experience bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-470. Let's go to Ardo account. Hockey Mountain High, sitting here with Arda Ocal of ESPN. Arda, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, this is awesome for us. We have rarely any guests, and to pull a big guest like you, um, big time for us here at the Hockey Mountain High podcast. So um, I, I wanted to start with just a simple, easy question, right? We've seen a lot of the work you do on The Drop and, and multiple other shows there on ESPN, and Wish is a, a former guest of our show as well. We know him decently well we got to know him really well in tampa bay at the stanley cup playoffs so um he's very open about being a devil's fan right D do you have any allegiances to nhl teams or do you try to really try to play that non-biased card so first of all i'm sorry that you have had the displeasure <laughs> of getting to know wish so well uh that's unfortunate uh so t's and p's to everyone involved uh I, uh, I grew up a Leafs fan. I, I'm from Toronto, uh, so uh, I know misery very well. Speaking of misery. <laughs> and uh, honestly, like, it's kind of funny. We have this conversation at ESPN all the time. Like, there's a lot of passionate hockey fans there, especially ones that don't work in the NHL and ESPN bubble. Like, they just show their fandom. Like, sometimes you'll hear, uh, you know, cheers in the hallways whenever something happens, like an overtime goal or, I mean, even March Madness. It's whatever sport, right? But like as it pertains to hockey, it feels like the fandom is especially welcomed at ESPN. So like if I went around and I, you know, was wearing a Leafs hoodie or something, I don't think anyone would really bat an eye. Like there's, you know, different NHL logos on bags and shirts and people wear jerseys sometimes. Like I, it, it's pretty much embraced. For me personally, though, I, I will say that like, when I was working at MSG Networks, I was doing a lot of Devils and Rangers broadcasts. And like, you guys know what it's like, like the business side of it kind of creeps in, right? Like you want the abs to do well because it's better for business overall, right? Mm -hmm. It's better individually, but it's also better for the outlets. It's just better for the city, right? And so like when I was working for those broad broadcasts in particular, I wanted those teams to do well. In particular, I was hoping for overtime games so the ratings would stay, you know, yeah. like Stuff like that. Like, we all know this working in the industry. But yeah, part of me still wishes 
to see the Leafs win the cup, more so because I want the city of Toronto to have that moment finally, you know, that cathartic experience of having the parade and seeing the Leafs win. And, you know, other than the Raptors in 2019, that's a very maligned sports city, let alone, you know, the sadness of the Leafs. It's sports in general, you know, in in major sports. So uh, I would want to see them win. I would be happy for my friends who still live there. I'm still in a Leafs group text and to get all of their, you know, sadness and goaltending woes and whatever else, you know, so. (laughs) Yeah, it's honestly really interesting because I've heard that from so many people that work in positions like you where if you're covering a team on the daily beat, it's a little bit different with not having that bias look as compared to being on a national level where, like you said, like Wyshynski is very open about being a Devils fan. I've seen people that are like that. And it, you know, and where he works now, like you said, it's embraced. I mean, me personally, I grew up in Dearborn, Michigan. I was born in Canada, but I was an Avalanche fan growing up. I'm no longer feel like I'm that kind of fan. Like you said, I do like to see them win because it's, you know, it makes my job more fun to be around a winning team that plays until June. But I'm, I find myself cheering for individual stories or, or a more exciting storyline. Like I love the race that we have going on right now for the central division. I love cheering for individuals i love you know to be able to write about miko ranton and hit, hitting 50 goals or nazem kadri for the season he had last year the playoffs the resiliency his background all of that was so great to cover but yeah it's a different case when you're on a national beat i guess as compared to when you're covering a team on the daily beat i do want to ask how do you become an avs fan in michigan this is which this i is assume a good in the 90s which is like <laughs> or the early 2000s which was like it had to be taboo, wasn't it? Like yeah. to be an Avs fan in, in Red Wings country. I was uh, I was born in Ottawa. I actually grew up in Toronto oh, for, no way. for a couple of years. I lived in North York, right outside of uh, Fair, Fairview Mall out there. But uh, <laughs> Fairview uh, Mall, yeah, love 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 that little ghetto city. It's my my favorite place. <laughs> um, but uh, I have two older brothers that were born in Montreal. I was born in Ottawa. We lived in Windsor and and Toronto before moving okay. to Detroit, and. Uh, they grew up big Patrick Waugh fans, and then Patrick Waugh was traded to the Avalanche. I was three, so they became Avalanche fans. I just kind of grew up into it. They stayed at this level of fandom, and I just kind of kept going, 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 going to the point where I studied it, moved to Denver, and here we are. So it was a very, very unique way. I mean, I, I, was, I remember being in elementary school in 2002 when Colorado and Detroit had that seven-game series, talking smack to everyone only to have Patrick Waugh get lit up and the Red Wings win game seven, seven, nothing. So and then you got a wedgie uh, and then I got a wedgie. Just just a <laughs> terrible time in elementary oh, so school. So you've heard this story before, JJ. OK, got it. <laughs> got it. But yeah, so that that's kind of how it started. I lived in I lived in Toronto so long ago that the year that I moved away from Toronto, that I finished that school year and then we moved to Detroit was the last time the Toronto Maple Leafs won a playoff round in 2004. Yes, I, exactly. I remember that year vividly. It's when they brought in, I think, Ron Francis, Brian Leach. They Great still team. had McGillney, Sundine. They were so stacked. They were set up for a good 05 season. The Ed lockout Belfour really. In net, and Ed then, Belfour. Uh, the, the Flyers ended their dreams. I think it was, then. was it game seven overtime? Jeremy Roenick? Maybe? Roenick on a two-on-one. It was That's two back-to-back two-on-ones. Bingo. I remember That's that. I don't know if yep. it was overtime, but yeah, it was definitely Roenick on Belfour that uh, ended yeah. it. Yeah, so I remember watching that vividly. That was the year the Avalanche had Korea Solani, and they kind of crapped out in the second round too. So hockey, I go way back with hockey for no other reason other than, you know, growing up in Canada. My parents are from the Middle East. I've never been, you know, I don't have generations of hockey lineage. It's just, you grow up in Canada, you start to watch the sport, you learn to love it.
that's that's exactly my story like my my father immigrated from turkey in the 70s to toronto and he wanted a way to integrate into society so he started watching the leafs and he fell in love with them and that's how i fell in love with hockey so very similar story here too yeah that's funny that's uh kadri's dad very similar samir kadri yeah. moved yeah. to montreal wanted to integrate into the culture my dad moved here from iraq in the 80s with my mom and they were not interested in in hockey. I kind of my brothers and I kind of got it ourselves. My dad was too busy watching CNN and politics. That's that's what <laughs> yeah. they, what the Arab parents do. So yeah, uh, we integrated yeah. ourselves, I guess, through school and all that. Indeed, indeed. I want to stick with the uh, the culture over at ESPN, right? Because we all were excited last year for for ESPN to really take the reins on the NHL world, and uh, they've obviously done amazing work. But I, I wonder for you guys and, and the people within, do you feel? maybe a pressure to really perform and make sure this thing takes off and carries its weight? Or, or do you guys just kind of have fun, go by the seat of your pants and, and not really think about stuff like that? I mean, me personally, I think it's a little bit of both. Like I certainly feel a sense of responsibility to give the viewer exactly the information that they would want. Uh, maybe the best possible broadcast that I can help provide. Uh, and I also realize that I'm a conduit to that, right? Like ultimately when I'm on a set, it's the analysts that I want to tee up and I want to put them in the best positions to succeed, right? Whether I'm working with PK Subban or Ryan Callahan or Mark Messier, Chris Chelios or Kevin Weeks, whoever it is, I want to put them in positions to succeed as best as possible. And, and that's my role as the anchor of the broadcast, right? Like, let's get us to point A to point B. Let's make sure we get the best possible segment out of whatever we're doing whether it's a fun segment, whether it's informational, whether it's serious, match the tone, make sure that the audience is getting exactly what they want and give them information that they either didn't know they wanted or you know, that's valuable to the broadcast and tell the stories. So from that point of view, that's the pressure I feel, but it's a good pressure, right? Like that's, I always get nerve, not like nervous in the sense that, uh, oh, things are going to go wrong, more nervous that, I want to make sure I'm doing right by the people watching the broadcast. That's where my anxiety would come from or the butterflies, right? And quite frankly, if you're not feeling that, then you shouldn't be doing the job, right? Because it's not exciting to you or whatever the case may be. So each broadcast is different. Each broadcast is unique. You focus on different things. There's common themes, obviously, especially near the end of the regular season. You're talking about playoff races for the majority of the time and who's injured and what the teams will look like. And, you know, even now with the Leafs and Lightning, for example, you're already talking about first round matchups that are locked in, right? So there's a lot of things you can focus on there and you're just giving the best possible information and making it entertaining as well because ultimately people are watching television or watching a show to be entertained. That's why we watch sports, right? So mm -hmm. that's how I feel from that point of view. Uh, and and we have a fantastic team uh, in front of the camera, behind the camera. Our producers are terrific. Um, our executives are great. Like our, our, our analysts are top notch in my opinion. Like I've worked with them all. Uh, and I, and I feel like I'm in a good position to be able to say that. So, uh, you know, whether it's the point, whether it's game broadcasts, whether it's the drop, whether it's in the crease, I feel like we have something for every hockey fan and it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a great two years and I'm looking forward to more. I mean, obviously the playoffs first, you know, one step at a time, but I feel like it's been a really good journey so far, like this new chapter of NHL hockey uh, on ESPN and give Turner credit as well. They've been doing great things as well, right? Like this, the, the thing is, is that when you have two major entities promoting and pushing hockey, naturally, it's just going to get bigger in the country, right? As opposed to having one with NBC previously, right? So 
by by default, it's just going to have more marketing push, more interest because there's two entities really pushing it as much as possible. And, you know, speaking from the ESPN side, it's been fantastic. It's been a dream come true for me personally, and I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. And almost some healthy competition there too, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, that, that, that's and that's good, right? Like a rising tide raises all boats. And so uh, from that point of view, like it's just been a lot of fun. Yeah. So you mentioned you worked at uh, MSG Network for uh, for a little bit there, the Rangers and Devils and all that. How long have you been at ESPN? Has it just been in these two years or were you there before they became the rights holder? So uh, my first gig was 2016. Uh, I was okay. part time from 2016 to 2019. And of all things, like obviously this was the first hockey gig that I did at ESPN. I did a mm. lot before that. You know, I have a lot of hockey in my background, OHL hockey, AHL hockey. I did the Marlies for a few years as like a fill-in host. Um, I did a bunch of OHL seasons as everything. Like when you work the OHL, uh, you would know this, Ari, uh, Rogers TV. There was one in Ottawa too. I remember once actually driving from Toronto to Ottawa for a 67s pregame uh, because they could find nobody else. So my station manager <laughs> sent me, it's like drive the four hours down the 401, uh, go to this pregame and do a, be a ringside reporter and come back. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> it was uh, quite, it was a trip, let me tell you, but, uh, but, um, I actually lived in Ottawa for a, a winter. It was terrible. I was a weather guy. This was like between <laughs> sports gigs. It was like, man, it was rough. Uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but, yeah. um, yeah, my first gig at ESPN was uh, eSports of all things. Oh, uh, nice. I was at, yeah, MSG league of legends, world championships. Uh, we hosted a desk there. We did content and it was wild. I was like, man, people were in like loving this. And I actually fell in love with competitive gaming there. I was like, this is a really cool scene. So we did that for a couple of years. And uh, when the NHL and the ESPN news got announced, uh, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. And I raised love my that. hand and I said, hey, like I have a lot of hockey in my background. Um, I'd love to be a part of this. And luckily it worked out for me. Nice. That's, that's, you, that's you really, really cool. You, take, you took over the uh, online gaming culture how, yeah. how deep into it did you get oh very deep there was one point like about especially during the pandemic all i did at espn was esports five days a week five different <laughs> shows one day was a league of legends show the next day was a call of duty league show the That's next day was wild. a rocket league show oh yeah the next day was uh valorant show like we did every scene and i was anchoring every single show for every scene and we put on our own tournaments and i was casting them doing play-by-play -play for competitive gaming, competitive Tetris, you name it. I've done like pretty much every video game you can imagine. I did the NHL 94 World Championships, uh, the NHL Gaming World Championships for the first few years, like through the NHL. They still do that, which is awesome. Uh, so like, oh yeah, uh, gaming. I mean, you can tell from my background, right? Like gaming is my <laughs> other my other passion, so Looks to speak. Like it, so, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So it's a lot of fun, but, you know, hockey kind of occupies my time now. You uh, talked about you talked about real quick your background, but looks from the top of that shirt. Are you wearing the Kadri Too Many Men shirt? Am I? Am Love I? It. Let's go! Come on, <laughs> a big moment that. for us. Are you kidding me? Like that's a moment in history, dude. Like this is when I saw this. Uh, I think it was Adrienne, uh, name of the mm -hmm. person yep, that yep, created yep. this. Yeah, like uh, they did a great job with it. Uh, had a charitable component. When I saw it, I was like, I got to wear this on Sports Center Snapchat. So I just bought one. And I was like, please send this to me as fast as you can. I'll pay for the shipping, uh, even the extra shipping. Just get this to me as fast as you can so I can wear it on the show. Uh, and I did a couple times. It was awesome. Uh, okay. I, I love the vibe of this. And I just, I mean, look, like, like, honestly, like just the fact that a Muslim hockey player won the Stanley Cup, you know what I mean? And like every, every, as we know, every player gets a day with the cup and he decides to make this giant cultural significant moment out of it is just like, 
one of the coolest things we could have ever imagined, right? Like, Artie, if you and I to both know, I mean, JJ too, like, we, we belong to minority groups, right? Like, how many inspirations did we have growing up in hockey, let alone in sports? You know what I mean? Like, to be able to look up to and say, wow, like, that person ha- is my similar faith or background, and I can be inspired by them, you know? And, like, Kadri yeah. is that now to a whole generation of people, which is amazing. We're definitely going to dive into that a oh, little bit. Okay. And, and we're going to get into that. Way ahead of myself. No, 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 no. I love it. I love it. This is what we're about, and you're, you're passionate about it. But the one thing I wanted to get to first, you dropped yeah. a couple of the names of the guys you work with there at ESPN, and I think everybody wants to know more about P.K. Subban and what he's like to work with, right? He's such a confident guy. I love the way he is more than willing to challenge guys like Messier and Chelios. And um, you even have little notes of Don Cherry in there um, with his style, right? Maybe a little less racist, but how have you enjoyed <laughs> working with PK Subban? Amazing. He's the best. Uh, he's a superstar. He is, uh, he's, first of all, he's just enjoyable to be around. He's a good vibe all the time off the, off camera. He's just fun to talk to. He's just, he's just one of your buddies, you know, like he's just a great dude to be around. On camera, he's a star. Like, he's just, he just has a gravitational pull to him. And the other thing is, like, here's the thing he's entertaining, right? Like, I think what people will remember the most is, like, oh, he's doing fashion segments, PKGQ, and, and he's, you know, cracking jokes and he's, you know, this banter with the rest of the analysts and the people on set. Like, he's just an entertaining guy, right? But, if you ask him questions about hockey or even goals in particular, like I remember there was a, I, I don't even remember what game it was, but it was a Matthew Kachuk goal uh, in a Panthers game that we were doing. And he just went like half an hour on every single splice of that, every single moment of that goal leading up to it, like 30 seconds prior, he's looking, okay, do you see this right here? Change his edges here. He's moving this way. This ha- helped create this space. Do you see Matthew Kachuk using his body here? Look at this arm like this. Look at this knee like this. Look at the way that his hips are positioned. Like he's like dissecting every, uh, every single sprite of every single freeze frame. You know what I mean? Like, like, like just because he's like, a lot of people will, will like point to his, entertaining nature and the fact that he's you know cracking jokes and and having fun but like don't get like believe me like he is fantastic at breaking down the x's and o's of hockey as well so like he's been like an incredible incredible positive for all of us at espn any any it lifts the vibe uh on on set in any room that he's in really but at espn especially so for me personally it's been fantastic to work with the dude he's awesome uh i if, if he's on all of my broadcasts moving forward, that would be fantastic for me and, and fantastic for the viewers. So, uh, yeah, he's he's great. He's no, still I, he's still a Norse Trophy winner. Like he's 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 a he's a he good. Knows what he's talking player. about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he knows yeah. exactly what he's talking about. And, and he's very good at explaining it, too. That's the thing. I get the same thing with Eric, right? I just throw him a softball and he takes it away and shows off his uh, knowledge and it makes my job easier. Um, yeah. So let's get into that too many men shirt that you're wearing and the Colorado Avalanche first and foremost. Right. I think this year, you know, with the injuries that we've dealt with here, there's a lot of pessimism uh, locally. I guess I want to know the national perception of the Avalanche. And uh, you hear it all the time. These guys are still the team to beat in the West. But is that truly, I guess, felt or, or, or is that simply, you know, kind of just TV talk for uh, the former champions? I mean, look, I I think that on a national level, we're looking for the biggest stories. So I'd be lying if we didn't say we focused a lot on the Bruins this year. Uh, uh, Who wouldn't, right? Like, they're definitely the talk of the town. And, I mean, you know, short of a, 
rehash of the 2019 Lightning, like they would be many people's favorites in the playoffs as well, just the way that they've been going. Uh, unless you subscribe to the theory that they haven't really faced adversity and once they hit it in the playoffs, they may not be able to deal with it. If that's what you subscribe to, then then you might have a really good theory on your hands if that doesn't end up happening in the playoffs. But as it pertains to the avalanche, the thing is, is that like the way I see it, or the way we've been covering, or at least I have when, on my game broadcasts or whenever I've been involved, it feels like last season the Avalanche were able to outscore their problems, whatever they might have been, right? Like Darcy Kemper is only, I believe it's the fourth goalie to win the cup, to start a game, a cup clinching game, and then not be with the team the next season. And that was the first yeah. since, uh, I think it was Antti Niemi in 2010. Yep. So like, to me, that says something, right? Like they got... Uh, uh, Alexander Georgiev from the Rangers and he was pining for a starting job and he wanted to prove himself and he wasn't going to be able to do that with Igor Shesterkin, you know, as a blue shirt. So off he goes to Colorado and it's been a decent year. He's hovering around 920 safe percentage, right? Like he, and he has a pretty decent like stat line. What is he like 35 wins and like mm-hmm. right here, 35, 16, and five, right? Like that's pretty good. most wins. That's I'd really say a, good. Just yeah, above decent, I'd say. That's really, really good. Yeah. That's it's it's really, really good. And obviously, the first, like the thing is, is that he, the other thing that kind of the un, un not talked about thing is whenever teams are dealing with a large number of injuries, the conversation sometimes is, oh, they're dealing with injuries, but look how bad they're playing. You know what I mean? Or like, look how much adversity they're facing, but like, the injuries are a large part of it. Like, like Landis Gog has been out. McKinnon's missed time. Like, there's there's a lot of issues that the Colorado Avalanche have been facing. My question in the playoffs is, I don't think they're I don't like as other than their top line has been absolutely fantastic. Like even yesterday, sorry if I'm dating the podcast here, but the game against the Stars, where yeah. there was that one play where Rantanen had the puck in the corner and every single Stars player just moved towards <laughs> him like he was the sun. And they were planets. And McKinnon <laughs> was like at the blue line and he just skates towards the net like in a leisurely yep. pace. Like I'm walking my kids around the park. Like he's just floating towards the net. And Rantanen's like, oh, my guy is open. All right, I'll just pass it right through everybody on the team and have McKinnon wide open in net uh, in front, right? Like so I will they be able to outscore uh, what like their defense is great. I mean, Cal McCarr's getting comparisons to Bobby Orr, right? The way he carries the puck, but like, are they going to be able to outscore what challenges they might face in, in uh, elsewhere? Who knows? I, I don't know if there's that sentiment nationally of these guys are surefire. This is the surefire team to get out of the West. But I will say that the West feels more of a, conference that the Avs can certainly get out of and the East feels more like a gauntlet this year yeah I mean if you look at the standings in the West I think the the Avs the Stars the Wild and the LA Kings and the Edmonton Oilers are all within two or three points somewhere from like 96 to 99 and then Vegas is the only team above 100 they're at 101 and those are the six teams at the top like they are all neck and neck it's pretty wild because like, like you said, in the East right now, you know that you have Tampa versus Toronto, you know, that you're kind of pushing toward though. It's not guaranteed. Uh, you're kind of pushing toward a devil's Rangers uh, first round and Carolina being in that wild card spot, unless they continue to drop, which they have been. But in the West, like 
Edmonton could be the number one seed in the West facing the second wildcard team, or they can be in a 2-3 matchup with either LA or Vegas. The Avalanche could be number one facing number eight. They could be number one facing you know the second wildcard team, number seven. They could be in a 2-3 matchup. They could have home ice. They can't. like Nothing is is figured out because all these teams are kind of neck and neck, which, you know, like you said, the Avalanche have had so many injuries to, to, to even be neck and neck is impressive seeing how good they've been playing without them. But ultimately it is, it's anybody's conference right now. And, 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 you know, there's something to be said about adversity. Like the Avalanche have faced it in spades and they've overcome it. Like they're in a great position given what they faced this year. So maybe that it's sort of like Tampa, how they're just coming back up. They're, they're coming on now. Like they're getting to yeah. Stanley Cup form is what I'm saying now, right? Like you're starting to see it. Oh, okay, the guys are revving the engines now with like six or seven games left in the season, you know? So it's almost like, hey, better to better to face the adversity and overcome it in the regular season than get hit by a brick wall in the playoffs and not know what to do with it. And I don't think the Avs are the team that wouldn't know what to do with it anyway because they faced a lot of adversity even before winning the Stanley Cup. So they're a team that will know what to do uh, if they get, you know, a, a game one that doesn't go their way, they, they'll be able to brush that off very well. Yeah. So the next question I want to ask about the Avalanche is, look, even before the Landeskog injury, that's been pretty much seemingly the entire season, Josh Manson, Bo Byram, all of the crazy McKinnon, all the crazy injuries they've dealt with, they entered the season. You already spoke about Kemper for Georgiev making that switching goal, but they entered the season losing Nazem Kadri. They lost Andre Burakovsky. They lost a lot of depth. They've found ways to overcome it. JT Comfer is up to 50 points with the assists he had against the Dallas Stars on Saturday. But were you surprised, I guess, to see that their trade deadline wasn't as aggressive in the big name market? We know they were in on, on some big names, but to end up with Lars Eller and uh, before that, Matt Nieto and then on defense, Jack Johnson, were you surprised to see them not go out and trade for a big name to kind of replace Kadri or Berkey? Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, like Jared Bednar also said that he would feel more comfortable or did he intimate that he would feel more comfortable with JT Comfer in, in 3C? Beginning of the season, yes. Beginning of the well, season, he was going to give Alex Newhook the, the, the opportunity, yes. right? Newhook was the guy. Yeah, and so obviously there's been some shifting. I, I guess from that point of view, at the deadline, could there have been a, push, a bigger push for a 2C? Possibly. Uh, do they feel confident that, or or are they just gonna be as confident as they can muster, uh, putting Comfort there and hoping for returns uh, in terms of injuries, possibly? But I do, I I, I wonder what the what playoff uh, second and third lines will look like on this team, as compared to last year, where there's a lot more firepower. Like you said, you know, losing Kadri is probably a big one, especially uh, at center. So here's the other thing, like f from, and I'll be honest, like I haven't watched every Avalanche game, yeah. but it does feel like recently they haven't fared well against playoff teams. Yep. Mm -hmm. it's, it's felt like they've beaten a lot of teams that are out of the playoffs and they have a really good record as, uh, as a result. But when they're facing teams that are in playoff positions, it feels like they've struggled in the month of March at least. Yeah, so that was something I talked to Evan Rodriguez before the Stars game at Morning Skate Saturday. I asked him about that. Like, you know, obviously you can only play the schedule ahead of you, but in the month of March, like you mentioned, they lost to the Devils and the Stars and the Kraken. They beat San Jose. They lost to LA, another playoff team. Then they beat Arizona, Montreal. Big win against Toronto. That's one. 
Ottawa, Detroit. And that was like Chicago. a big defensive game too, right? That yes, was an yes, unorthodox. Yes. Like that was actually a good like playoff style game. So I Bingo. guess that's yeah. a big positive. Yeah, that one was a good one. Uh, they beat Chicago and then they lost to Pittsburgh, beat Arizona, Arizona, Anaheim, and then lost to Minnesota. So the only playoff team they beat was Toronto. They lost to Seattle, to New Jersey, to LA, to uh, uh, Pittsburgh, to Minnesota. Like they were losing all those big games with Toronto being the only one they won. So I asked Rodriguez about that and, you know, he didn't want to speak for the games early in the month, but he said in the last couple of weeks, the two big ones were Pittsburgh and Minnesota. It was two Wednesdays in a row where the Avalanche had a chance with a victory to be top seed in the Central Division, which they haven't had all season. And he said that, uh, you know, they they played good games. They just it was right there for the taking and they didn't get it. And he said, you know, it's 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 a two game sample size, which, again, he only wanted to stick to the last couple of weeks. But it's a two game sample size where if you play those games over and over, you're going to win a lot of them. And And he kind of felt like their yeah. effort was their effort was there but they just weren't getting the victories. And obviously you can only play the schedule ahead if you like. When they lost to Minnesota, I'm sure they would have loved to, or sorry, when they lost to Pittsburgh uh, the previous week, I'm sure they would have loved to go right into Minnesota, right into Dallas and really just hammer home that they can take the central, but they had to go through Arizona, Arizona, Anaheim first, three dull teams in four nights, which they won very quickly. And then, you know, went into the Minnesota game. So I do agree with you. One thing about Minnesota, I will say though, is that they like, in the absence of Kirill Kaprizov, if you couldn't have asked for a better, unbelievable. Yeah. That line of, uh, was it Matt Boldy, Joel Eriksson, and yep. uh, Marcus Johansson? Like, all season, we've been talking about the chemistry between Matt Zuccarello and Kirill Kaprizov and how great of a one-two punch they are on the same line. You can say the exact same things about Marcus Johansson and, uh, and uh, Matt Boldy. Matt Boldy is, like, on a career stretch in terms of goals. The team has gotten what, like, Seven, uh, 17 of 18 games, they've gotten a, at least a point, you know, yep. like the and a lot of those games have been one goal games. I think the Avalanche uh, are on that list too, like most one goal games in the season. Yeah, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Wilder definitely in top three, and I believe the Avalanche are there too. With the loss to the Vegas Golden Knights, the Minnesota Wild are 16, 2, and 4 in their last 22. So they entered that game on Saturday. What do you do? That- yeah, one do do? regulation what do you loss. Do? <laughs> yeah, so without Kaprizov, what is going yeah, on? It's it's pretty wild. So I guess I guess the general consensus. <laughs> what he did there, right, JJ? Yeah, he, well. he didn't even know <laughs> it. He didn't even know it. <laughs> I, I think I did that last week a couple times too, uh, <laughs> when we were talking about the wild game. But uh, I guess the general consensus on the Avalanche is you wouldn't be surprised to see them go again, but it's not necessarily like their Boston of the, of the East or, you know, whatever it is where, I mean, the biggest thing for me, like you said, it's not just that they weren't able to, you know, that they're rolling the dice with comfort. Cause like my favorite thing about comfort, this is a stat and I'm going to credit Peter Baugh, the athletic he's on our show uh, pretty often. He mentioned that before 2022, the production that the avalanche were getting in Kadri in his first two seasons, 2020 and 2021, 2020, he had the amazing playoffs. 2021 was the year he got suspended. Comfort is outproducing Kadri in those two years. And nobody spoke about Kadri in 2020 and 2021. Like he wasn't being a good second line center. He was a very capable second line center. Comfort is outscoring that version of Kadri. Is he the 87 point Kadri that, that we had in 2022? Absolutely not. But even Kadri's not that Kadri anymore. But uh, in terms of being a second line center, he's doing what he's asked uh, to do. He's got 50 points in 75 games. He's a good two way defenseman. And I think my favorite uh, thing that people don't often th- think or talk about is Nazem Kadri was out for five games in the playoffs last year 
Obviously, mm-hmm. one of those five yeah. being the first minute when he got hit by Evander Kane. JT Comfer and the Avalanche were four and one in the games where JT was your second line center. The difference is he also had a healthy Gabe Landeskog. So that's the big one for me is the health of Gabe Landeskog. That was all to transition into that to basically say, if you have Nichushkin and Landeskog, for example, centered by Comfer, that's one thing. But to have Comfer centering Nichushkin and then like a mix of, you know, uh, who's the other guy? Evan Rodriguez or Alex Newhook or sometimes they even tried Matt Nieto, like all these yeah. guys, that's where the problem lies. If Comfer's got two solid wingers in Val and in Gabe, it's a different story than what you're seeing right now. Because when he they were four and one, that's who Comfer played with. He played with Val Nichushkin and Gabe Landeskog, and McKinnon was running, you know, running the show with the two fins and in Lekin and Rantanen. Some some players elevate their line mates. Yep. Some line mates elevate their centers. Yeah. Right? So that's ultimately you what find JT the line. Would yeah. Need. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So we're getting a little bit long here for Arda, and we want to get to the conversation. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Okay, that's all interesting stuff. Okay, awesome. I mean, no secret, three ethnic dudes here on a podcast. You know, first generation North Americans talking hockey, but we've also talked Love about to guys. to see it, by the way, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, we've also talked about guys like Nazem Kadri, uh, Matt Nieto, who's of Hispanic American descent, and uh, Evan Rodriguez, Portuguese descent, right? So you see the progress slowly but surely with uh, more generations coming into the NHL. But Arda, how would you personally rate the nhl's work in i guess opening more diversity and just the whole hockey is for everyone mindset i know that there's a lot of stories surrounding this uh i know that uh you know like and 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 rightfully so there needs to be conversations at all levels uh at all levels of hockey not just the nhl uh whether it's about pride nights and the pride jerseys whether it's about uh, certain months that are being commemorated i will say that i show what we're doing right now is progress this wouldn't have happened even 10 years ago. You know, like there were no, I'll speak for myself, there were no Muslim broadcasters for me to look up to, period. Yeah. Let alone in sports, right? Art, if you know, like like we, there, there was no one for me to look at and say, wow, I can do this job. And quite frankly, I didn't know anyone in broadcasting, no friends, no family, no inspirations really. For In terms of inspirations in sports, it was Muhammad Ali and Hakeem Olajuwon, <laughs> right? Yeah. Hakeem Olajuwon was fasting during Ramadan while he guarded Michael Jordan in a Sunday afternoon game. That's the famous example we always talk about. But there's no hockey examples. There's maybe, what, five or six um, hockey players in NHL history of any Arab descent. I'm talking Ed Hatoum, uh, maybe Brandon Saad from his you know, Justin lineage. Abdel Kader. Ju- Justin Abdelkader. Justin Abdelkader. Ramsey Abid. Ramsey you know, Abid, like, yeah. like there's a couple is what I'm saying, right? And Nail Yakupov is the only other, yeah, L.A. Nasruddin. And Nail Yakupov is the only other uh, Muslim NHL player that I can think of, other than Nazem Kadri, that 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 is uh, has said publicly that they're Muslim, right? So, uh, like to me, going like looking today compared to where we've been or where we were decades ago, immense progress. Is there more work to be done? Absolutely. Is there? Uh, things to fine-tune? Of course there is, and there always will be in every sport, not just hockey. And certainly, there's always an ongoing conversation about the culture of hockey and what needs to be changed, and those conversations are very important. I will say that we are in a position right now where we are seeing a lot of different backgrounds represented in hockey, and that is a wonderful thing. It go, Even something as 
you know, what people might perceive to be just some, you know, a, a, a themed night uh, at a game, whether it's a heritage night, whether it's a, a night of inclusion. These are all important and should happen every single year. And for people like us, we are among the people that should be continuing to have these conversations because they're extremely important. I will be very frank with you guys. One of my biggest motivators to continue to work in the hockey space is to be one of those inspirations. I want to be, and that's why I put the umlaut on my O, for example. I know it's a very small thing, but I want people to look at me and see my name on television that have a similar background to me and say, wow, like that guy's Turkish or that guy's Muslim or that guy's from uh, the uh, uh, my similar part of the world to me from the uh, you know Southwest Asian, North African area of the world. That's awesome. I didn't even know that was a thing. You know, someone listening to this podcast and seeing JJ and seeing Arif and, and, and being in that background and saying, I could do this too. Or I, I want to, I'm inspired by this. Like that's all very important. And so for, this is why I love doing having these kind of conversations and furthering them because without it, it's just going to be forgotten because the news cycle is fast, right? We all know this. So it has to be con consistently pleasant persistence is key in these kind of situations. And it will always be important until it just gets normalized. Yeah. I mean, one of the things you spoke about real quick, JJ, one of the things you spoke about was Nazem Kadri's day with the Stanley cup and look, Kadri he's he's a figure that's been in hockey or in the NHL and before that you know with the London Knights he was he was already a good prospect but he's been in the NHL and he's been known since he was drafted in 2009 he's had great seasons in the past there's obviously been controversy as well but he has scored 30 goals he was part of a really big trade to the Colorado Avalanche he was the biggest name you know maybe up there with Johnny Goudreau arguably the biggest name last year as a UFA there was a lot of things that made Nazem Kadri a big name in the NHL he wasn't a depth player. No disrespect to guys like Ramsey Abid, Alain Nazardine. They didn't have the same level of skill and game that Nazem Kadri does. Yes. However, even though that in itself is progress and that in itself is somebody that you can look up to, you're still not going to have Muslims, Arabs, people of ethnic backgrounds look up to a player like that as much and use, use him as inspiration as much as seeing him walk into a mosque with the Stanley Cup. That changes everything. That makes it a lot more open. It makes it a lot more, you know, out there in the public that these these kids that were showing up at this mosque, it was for the community. He spoke about it many, many times since he signed with the Calgary Flames. It was for the community where these kids maybe looked up to him in the past, but they didn't really think hockey was a thing for them until they saw him raise this big shiny silver thing above his head. And they're like, I want to do that. And it's just such a big difference. It's what winning does. And it's, and it's what, you know, using that platform of winning a Stanley cup in the way that Kadri has is what mm -hmm. makes it so important. JJ for the first time ever, right? Like for the first time ever that happened, which is like, which 2023, the NHL has been around for over a hundred years and that happened for the first time. And that's, it's just culturally significant at, at the very least for the Muslim community. Absolutely. I mean, growing up, I, you know, I'm, my family's from Spain. All I really had to look up to was Pau Gasol. So still trying to <laughs> blaze a trail uh, in the hockey world, but it feels like, you know, ever since the creation of the hockey diversity Alliance in the last three years, it's really been a more comfortable conversation to have. So um, I, I would grade the, the NHL's progress in the last few years outstanding because it, yeah, it's not quite to where we want to be, but I think the last, you know, three, four seasons has really made tremendous progress. I'll I mean, say this. I, I have two things to say. Number one, you're absolutely right. Like we often 
focus on the negative conversations or the things that need changing. And that is very important. That should continue. I fall under the category that I also want to push and promote the positive things that are happening, even if those generate less interest or clicks, simply because we should be celebrating the wins and the forward movement that we are getting. Even if it's just a tweet, even if it's just a feature pitch, whatever it is, and even if that might not get as much interest or drum up as many likes or retweets or clicks as the challenging and the negative and the controversial stuff, which is, I'm not saying we, we should shy away from that. Not at all. We should talk about both is what I'm saying. My, Very, my, sorry, real quick. My, my, I'll take it a step further than you. I see progress as even being able to speak publicly about the issue that you're facing, even being able to speak publicly about I, I'm not going to pretend I can remember the team. I want to say it was Dallas, maybe. I forget. Maybe you'll remember where there was a team in the bubble that after the George Floyd incident said, we're not playing today, whether you like it or not, because the NHL wasn't planning on canceling games. I think in the NBA was the same thing. Giannis Antetokounmpo spoke out and said, we're not playing today, whether you guys like it or not. Give us a forfeit or, or reschedule the game. Like Just being able to speak out about the negativity in itself, it is progress because number one, not all minorities are afforded that right to be able to speak out about why they are, you know, why they are not privileged and why they are marginalized. And number two, that wasn't something you did 10 years ago. Yeah, we're in we're we're in a we're in a place where conversations can be had and it's very healthy and it's very important. So it's good that we're talking about it as well. Um, I will say this is a total sidebar. Uh, you mentioned the Gasol brothers. They came up on our trade deadline special because uh, the Richie brothers got traded for each other oh, on yes. trade deadline day. And we were looking for examples of brothers that got traded in sports. And the Gasols yep. got traded for each other, yep. I believe I it was 2008. Yep. Yeah. Mark big part of, yep. Big part of uh, 11 years later, Toronto winning a big championship. Man, I, I, I see the way. Huge. The, the, huge yeah. Huge. I, I see the way the Toronto rap, the, the, City of Toronto shot out for the Raptors. And if you remember, I don't know if you're familiar with it, JJ, but the the parade they had in Toronto was so big, the city didn't even, like, they, they hadn't even planned for it to be that big. It was kind of a shit show in many, many ways. But you saw the way they showed up for this NBA team. And I, I think of the day, or I, I, like, I dream of the day of seeing the Toronto Maple Leafs win a Stanley Cup because the first oh, thing I'm doing... The first thing I'm doing, I'm not booking a flight to Toronto because the last thing I would do is fly into Pearson <laughs> Airport when millions of other people are trying to do the same thing. I would book a flight to Detroit, Michigan, get in a car and drive three and a half hours to go witness it because it would just be incredible just seeing how the city showed out for the Raptors. Yeah, I mean, we had the same feeling here in Colorado, right? But um, yeah, I think this is a great place to to put a pin in it. Arda, thanks so much for spending a lot of time with us today. A busy NHL hockey Sunday too. So, um, you know, really appreciate it. Busiest the of the season. Nine games. Yeah. We have not had a nine-game NHL Sunday this season. Right yeah. Busy, right. busy in the you. crease. Let's go. And you know what? It's also, you're in the Eastern time zone. It's around 2.30 p.m. You're also fasting. It's Ramadan. So to give us 45 minutes, no water, no food, no nothing like that is is just great for you that, to do that. Increasingly hangry. You know, <laughs> about just feeling yep. it. Like, just, yep. actually, you've been... Uh, uh, keeping me company. So I appreciate it. You've been taking yeah. my mind off my, my least favorite thing about the days that the avalanche have games this past couple of weeks. Granted, they did have an 8 PM local start, which was fantastic for, for fasting purposes. But my least favorite thing is showing up at the arena 
walking down and just praying to God that there's food that's not pork <laughs> that I can eat that I can right? that I can that's put into a plate. Part. It's like oh no, take up, pork rolls. No, take up take up to a press box and halfway through the first period during a commercial break, check the time and eat in the press box. Can I, I can I ask you, Arif? Can I ask you something? Has Kadri ever spoken publicly about fasting? Uh, when I tried to ask him about it, to be honest with you, he he didn't get too far into it. He did he like he mentioned it. Whether he was fasting while playing hockey or not, obviously it's not my business, but he didn't he didn't go as far as that to say that he was doing that, but he was like he spoke publicly in, in the story. If you look up on my on my Twitter, I have a pinned tweet of a story I did with him. He did speak about Ramadan and fat and, and being part of that. And like, you know, on Zoom calls, my my favorite thing in 2020, and you know, like you said, adding the umlaut on top of the O in your name, like my last name is not Dean. My last name is Mohidin. I, I in, in Arabic, it's Mohidin. I took out the Mohi part to make it easier for Americans, which yeah. I probably shouldn't do, which I probably should re-add it. And something I've considered many, many times. So I often try to stay away from my culture, my background, my religion. But in 2020 on a Zoom call, we got on a Zoom with Nazim Kadri and NHL media. It's the series against Dallas. And I got on and said, hey, Kadri, before I ask my pet question, I just wanted to wish you a Eid Mubarak. And he was very, very happy with it and very open with it and wished it right back to me. So it was, it's cool to see things like that. So he is very open about those things. Yeah, I remember I ended an interview with him last year on The Point uh, with MashaAllah. And then after the camera stopped rolling, he was like, hey, keep saying that, man. Like, whenever yeah. you have the opportunity, make that a thing uh, yeah, before when he left. When he was here in uh, in February, the Avalanche hosted the Flames, and we did a we did a press scrum with him after morning skate. And uh, as he was walking out, he put his hand on my shoulder and said, "Good to see you, Habibi," and just walked out. And I'm like, Habibi. "God, I miss this guy." <laughs> Good yeah. to see you, Habibi. I love it. Yeah, That's so terrific. We we love Nazan Kadri around here for for many reasons, not just his background, but his polarizing personality and who he is. And and you know, we 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 dearly miss covering him around here. Yeah. Right on, right on, Arda. Well, you're our Habibi as well. So thanks again for We're hanging all out Habibis with us. here. I yeah. love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Team Habibi. Let's go. Um, cool. Yeah. Any closing thoughts from you? And uh, once again, yeah, thanks so much for for spending your time with us today. Uh, it was a blast. I'll happily come on whenever you guys want me to be on. Uh, this was a blast. I really enjoy your company. Uh, great job with the show. Continued success. And thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, hope to meet you in person in the future. Yeah, all of us. Please, that'd be great. Right on. Good to see you, Habibi. <laughs> <laughs>